0: Today, on the Michael J. Fox Foundation Parkinson's Podcast.
1: Well, I, I think, you know, and the researchers, they're kind of like the the official scorekeeper up in the booth. They're, they're looking at a wide range of folks and trying to identify patterns so that they can get a way to cure it, eventually, we hope. But we're the players on the field, Larry. We're walking through it every day. And so they can study my brain, but I have to use my brain. And they can study your brain, but you have to use your brain. You don't stop thinking. You don't stop living or any of those things. You adjust and keep on keeping on, as they say.
0: This is Michael J. Fox. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Learn more about the Michael J. Fox Foundation's work and how you can help speed a cure at michaeljfox.org. Navigating Parkinson's disease can be challenging, but we're here to help. Welcome to
2: the Michael J. Fox Foundation podcast. Tune in as we discuss what you should know today about Parkinson's research, living well with the disease, and the Foundation's mission
0: to speed a cure. Free resources like this podcast are always available at michaeljfox.org. Hi, I'm Larry Gifford. I'm the host of the podcast, When Life Gives You Parkinson's. I was diagnosed at 45 years old, and like you, I'm trying to figure out how to do what I need to do to be healthy, well, and safe during this COVID-19 pandemic. That's why the Michael J. Fox Foundation for Parkinson's Research and I are teaming up to launch this limited series podcast. Each episode is designed to help people with Parkinson's disease and their care partners navigate their way through the COVID-19 pandemic. Joining me each episode is the Foundation's own Board Certified Movement Disorder Specialist, Dr. Rachel Dolan. Hi Rachel.
2: Hey Larry, I am still here working from my New York City apartment. So please excuse any background noise that might drown me out temporarily. So today we're talking about the importance of staying active, keeping a positive attitude, and getting involved in research soon after a diagnosis of Parkinson's. I, for one, am super excited to hear your conversation with Bill Rasmussen, the founder of ESPN. Bill is 87, has Parkinson's, and a truly positive outlook. He has partnered with our foundation as an ambassador to spread the message of positivity and activity. He will also be a spokesperson for a message we're calling Embrace Early Engagement.
0: 87. That's
2: amazing. <laughs> uh,
0: and this is the first time hearing about Embrace Early Engagement. What's that?
2: Yeah, this is all about reaching people in their very earliest days and months of living with Parkinson's. This is a really tough time for a lot of people. Understandably, people are trying to process what Parkinson's means for them and their future. And this is a time that a lot of people hide their diagnosis.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, you know, Rachel, I hid mine. I, like yeah. i i had symptoms for like eight years I just ignored them and then once i got the diagnosis i hid the diagnosis for eight months i mean this is a real thing
2: so true and and it's you know it's a time when people hide because they don't want to be treated differently they don't want to be pitied but it it makes it more stressful right and, and it makes the symptoms even harder to hide
0: oh yeah for sure <laughs> when you're hiding them you're then you're stressed you're like who, who knows who doesn't know can they see this twitch you know and then you're the stress actually increases Increases the, the symptoms.
2: That's right. And and one of the other things is that it makes it harder or impossible to participate in research during a time when they may not be taking medication and can make really valuable contributions to disease understanding and also testing new treatments with the potential to either slow or stop disease progression. We've heard so many times from people who didn't know that this was an option until it was too late to be part of some really important studies that are ongoing even today.
0: Well, this sounds like a really important initiative and and Bill seems like quite a force to be behind it.
2: He really is. And, And we met Bill. We really just loved everything about him and his message. So we asked him to join our patient council with you, Larry. <laughs> yep. To serve as an ambassador, to share his message of of staying positive, of getting involved, of being active, and and of, of getting rid of those feelings of stigma or of shame that so many people experience early on with this diagnosis. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well that's that's exciting. And and as the founder of ESPN, and I know you're a huge sports fan, Rachel. <laughs>
2: Larry, unless we are talking about the Green Bay Packers in the days of Brett Favre or dirt track weight model racing, (laughs) I really know nothing about sports.
0: Well, it's very exciting for me because, full disclosure, uh, while Bill founded the 24-hour cable sports channel ESPN in Bristol, Connecticut back in 1979, I worked for ESPN for six years, uh, both in Bristol and in Los Angeles in the mid-2000s to the early 2010s. Uh, I was program director of ESPN's radio network and eventually moved to Los Angeles to program 710 ESPN, which is owned and operated by ESPN, ABC, and and the Walt Disney Company. But until today, I never had the honor of meeting the man who made it all happen.
2: Well, I didn't know all that about you, Larry, so I learned something new today, too.
0: (laughs) Well, uh, embrace early engagement is a great way to kick off, here's what I'm hearing, what are you hearing, Uh, sticking with the sports theme, I hear... Uh, There's a woman with Parkinson's in Los Angeles, Joan DeYoung, a world-class quilter who has been sewing and selling face masks with Los Angeles Dodgers fabric to raise money for Parkinson's. And she's doing it in honor of Dodgers legend Kirk Gibson, who is also living with Parkinson's disease.
2: It's really so cool to see how people are contributing in these creative ways, using their skills in new and different, different ways to help people, to help the community, to help for the greater good. And you know, as I mentioned, I'm not the biggest sports expert you're ever going to speak to, but I really think it's great that this is being done in in Kirk Gibson's honor. Our foundation knows him pretty well, and and he really is most definitely worthy of this honor.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Uh, and boy, what a what a legend is he in Los Angeles. Uh, <laughs> as as Major League Baseball continues to be locked down because of COVID 19. MLB.com is finding some really great stories to share, including the Parkinson's journey of former Colorado Rockies outfielder Ben Petrick. Now, he was drafted in 1995. He was diagnosed in 2000, but he didn't give up the game. So this guy played Major League Baseball with Parkinson's, and not only did he just play it, um, he a year after his diagnosis, he belted a home run off a of Hall of Fame pitcher, Randy Johnson, which was great. But complicated, because as he trotted the bases, Patrick says, uh, whether he hit a ground ball or a home run, his thoughts immediately went to pumping his left arm faster so his run wouldn't get off rhythm, which I totally get. (laughs) Like, like I can't run (laughs) or I'll fall. It blows my mind that he was able to play Major League Baseball at the, that level and still like succeed at the highest levels.
2: Mine too. I, I mean, this is such a neat story, and I am constantly amazed by what people can do with Parkinson's because oftentimes it's so much more than what I can do without Parkinson's. There are people out there running marathons, as you said, playing Major League Baseball, uh, sewing. I can't. <laughs> I can't sew. Um, so. <laughs> (laughs) I mean, you know, as I said, I mean, oftentimes there are people who don't give up and shouldn't have to give up the things that they love with Parkinson's. You can adapt, you can be flexible and you can get around these things. Now, as you pointed out, I mean, it's there. You have to live with it, you have to get around it, you have to be flexible, you have to meet this challenge. And that's why at, at the foundation, we're doing what we can to make this a thing of the past, to come up with better treatments now and, and to do what we can to find a cure because it's there and, and it it sucks. And, and there are things that you have to do to get around it now. Um, but yeah, stories like this, it just as you said, blow my mind because people just come up with amazing ways to to live well with Parkinson's and to do the things that they love to do.
0: Do I hear um, something in the background there? Is there a truck rolling by?
2: (laughs) It's so much quieter than it usually is. This is quarantine in New York city. So this is, this is not a usual day in New York city, but, But that's my New York City apartment.
0: (laughs) All right. Now, back to the real theme of the podcast. I'm hearing the American Academy of Neurology has issued some really new guidance for neurologists treating people with Parkinson's during the COVID-19 pandemic.
2: Yes. And this is something we see associations like the AAN, which is a group of neurologists, do when there is a significant new factor like the pandemic that affects how doctors and patients think about care as as usual and and so one of the recommendations is to get telemedicine for usual visits so regular ongoing non-urgent care and we've seen a shift to telemedicine in the past couple months for regular care so the hope is that this could be one way to get regular non-urgent care for the future this could decrease risk of exposure to the virus um, lessen risk of the virus for the future. And so that's one recommendation moving
0: forward. Well, what's interesting about that, and I had a telehealth session with my doctor, and then now he's followed up with email. I actually have more communication with him now than I did before.
2: That's right. And I think a lot of people are seeing that. We also have a lot of resources. We know that there's a huge learning curve for doctors and patients for telemedicine. So we have a webinar, Larry, that you moderated about the topic of telemedicine. We also have some resources about getting the most out of your telemedicine visit on our website.
0: Yeah. So for the very latest on what's happening at the Michael J. Fox Foundation for Parkinson's Research, be sure to check out michaeljfox.org. You can also click that email sign up part in the upper left-hand corner, and they'll just send the information straight to your. inbox which is
2: fantastic. (laughs) Make it easy for you.
1: COVID-19 is testing us all in ways we never imagined. Around the globe, individuals, families, and nations are, are rising to this challenge with courage and grace. I'm especially grateful for the research community's quick response to this crisis. For our part, the Foundation is making this commitment. We will flex to the researchers' needs in any way we can to keep critical neuroscience moving forward with the least possible disruption. Together, we will pull through this and be stronger than ever.
0: Okay, so one of the issues we're all dealing with during coronavirus is staying active. Our guest today is a huge advocate for getting your body in motion. Bill Rasmussen lives in Seattle and was diagnosed with Parkinson's in 2014. And, oh, yeah, by the way, he's the founder of ESPN. Woohoo! Hello,
1: Bill. Good morning, Larry. How's everything today?
0: Well, it's beautiful. sun is shining, and uh, I'm still walking, so that's good news every day.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to hear you say that. I say that frequently, and then the other one that you have to use is, if you felt any better, the world couldn't stand you. Yeah. That?
0: If I was any better, I'd be you.
1: <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I, I, uh, I have a positive approach, though, as you've obviously discovered, and I like to try different things and experiment and some experiments turn out pretty well as did ESPN as you know.
0: Yeah, I want to thank you for creating that company uh, <laughs> because uh, it gave me really an opportunity to cover Super Bowls and World Series and NBA Finals, award shows and meet a ton of great people and uh, who are lifelong friends and I just thank you for for taking that big leap of faith.
1: Well, you're very you're very welcome and I uh, I really uh, I enjoyed doing it it seemed to be a, seemed to be something that Should have been done a long time before that, but the technology wasn't there. And for a non-technology guy, the only word, the only big word I ever learned was geosynchronous. That's all. (laughs) Beyond that, I I don't know anything else. There's a satellite up there somewhere and and it works. That's what counts.
0: That's what matters. Uh, And especially during these uh, COVID-19 days, we we are all missing sports.
1: Oh, no question. I... This is almost like being back in the 50s. You know, they only had a game or two a week on a football game or two on a Saturday. And that was it. You know, this wall-to-wall sports idea where you can turn on any time of day or night to any one of dozens of channels and find baseball, football, whatever. None of that existed. So this is... Having it all taken away is really very difficult. Lots of, lots of folks are having withdrawal symptoms.
0: Well, uh, I turned on ESPN last month. They, they were doing uh, a competition of stacking cups. And it, it oh, remind, my goodness. It reminded me of the old days when they were doing lumberjacking.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, we had some great stuff. How about Irish hurling from, <laughs> I don't know, Limerick, Ireland or someplace? That was kind of intriguing.
0: Yeah, that was great. Uh, what 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 a journey you've been on. Uh, six years ago, your journey changed a bit, though. What was that like to get the news from the uh, neurologist that you have Parkinson's?
1: Well, it was interesting. You know, obviously, I had noticed that things weren't going the way they always had gone. I was becoming less... Um, flexible, I guess you would say. Things were bothering me, but I didn't think it was anything significant. I had uh, visited my regular physician a year or so before, and I had just a slight twitch, and he thought it might be uh, what they call the essential tremor, And it, but it got a little worse, so I finally went and saw a neurologist, and he, we did a bunch of tests, and he said, I hate to tell you this, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you have Parkinson's. Well, my mother had Parkinson's, So I was familiar with a little bit of the background, not very much. So I set out on a journey to learn as much as I could about it. And he quickly explained, obviously, it's not a death sentence. You're not going to die in three months or three years, but your some various parts of your body aren't going to react properly because the brain isn't able to keep doing what it's been doing all your life. But there are ways to get around it. And one of the ways, obviously, is exercise and some medication and and a good attitude. And I have the medication and the exercise twice a day and walk all that I can and uh, try to keep those things going. So it's, um, it's, I think for me, it's been a question of what can I do to keep operating about at the same level that I was before? Can I still go and speak to people? Of course I can. I thought, for a long time that I, you know, I'd have my left hand as the one that has the biggest twitch. So to speak, I thought I'd keep it, you know, behind the podium or this or that. And one, after one event, they sent me a tape and I looked and I, I wasn't very effective. And so at that point I said, you know what, and this is a fact of life. It's not anything to be embarrassed about, you know, people catch cold, people break a leg people knock their head up against the wall or whatever. And that's okay, so why isn't Parkinson's okay? And suddenly, as I began to look into it and began to ask more and more questions, for some reason, Parkinson's is one of those diseases that people kind of want to hide, and I don't know why. Uh, you can't hide it. I mean, your, your <laughs> no, body is changing. So I can't backhand a grounder at third base anymore. Yeah. Well, I, I was, that's okay. I, I used to do that sometimes. Many times to would go right past you anyway, but. I just think a positive attitude in, in everything we do is, is great, but it is especially important for anyone who is diagnosed with Parkinson's.
0: Now, when, when you were diagnosed, did you embrace this right away, or did you, you take some time? Like for me, I, it took me about eight months to, to, to sort of process the, the doctor saying you've got Parkinson's, and then I, I, then I started telling my story. Well, but.
1: well no, it, my, my daughter's a nurse. Uh, she's an oncology radiation nurse, and she was there with me. And when he said, I'm afraid we have bad news, she thought instantly of something to do with cancer and so on, and the brain or whatever. And he said uh, that I had Parkinson's, and so she was relieved. And so uh, having seen my mother, I knew something of the progression, not all the details, obviously, because you don't know that unless you live it. But I, my first thing was to start asking questions of the doctor. It was not only what can I do about it, but what are the impacts going to be? And he said, a lot of that's going to be up to you. And a lot of it you can't control, so I just from that day on I set out trying to find out as much as I could about it. But I didn't uh, have any, you know, public announcement. I didn't didn't even occur to me. And then after, let's see, I guess it was last summer. Yeah, last summer. Let me. About let, a year. You went big. Yeah, we did the story with ESPN, and and then so when I decided, you know, maybe I can help somebody, and if I can help one person, that's great. If I can help two, that's even. Even better.
0: What was the catalyst to go from just being the person living with and dealing with Parkinson's to becoming that vocal advocate?
1: That's a good. That's a really good question. I, I guess I started seeing people in a, in a different light. That you know, I, I met, obviously met a, a couple of people who had Parkinson's, but interestingly enough, one of the people's, you do you know Mike Saltis? You've come upon him in your time at ESPN.
0: Oh yeah, of course I did. He's- Mike Saltis is the uh, head of PR for ESPN.
1: Yeah, he had some difficulties with some health problems of his own.
0: He has an inspirational story about dealing with his kidney cancer, yes.
1: He thought about going public with it for a long time, and he said, finally decided to. And he got a lot of response, as I did. And he said, and one guy wrote and basically talked about his brother had the same problem that Mike had, and that Mike's message motivated his brother to go and have some surgery and get it taken care of. And he said, "Mike, you saved my brother's life. That's pretty powerful." Yeah. And so ESPN has the resources to help write the story and get it distributed, and that's what we did last year, and and uh, got involved. Obviously, moved forward and just began talking to Michael J. Fox folks, and uh, here we are. I think I think people should talk about it, should think about it, should what think individually what can they do better each day to help themselves and as they help themselves they're helping their family and everyone around them
0: how has keeping active helped you deal with your parkinson's
1: oh I think it I think it helps enormously i I mean I I have a maybe it's a routine that uh, everybody does. I don't know, but I, I wake up every morning wh- with a positive thought. What am I going to do today? I mean, i I think ahead. obviously, like I, I thought I was going to talk to you this morning. I didn't wake up and say, Oh, I'm going to talk to Larry. I've known this was going, but each day I'm a, i am I make certain that I get all the exercise in. I walk around the neighborhood because we can't go to the tracks or anything anymore at this point. But as far as impacting me, uh, I I can't dance particularly well, but then I never did, so that's, that, I can't blame Parkinson's for that. <laughs> uh, uh, I still I still write things. I'm in the process of hopefully writing a book that'll get published. Um, just be positive. Do things. I I think if you are an active pos- person, both physically and mentally, it's going to help with Parkinson's. It's going to extend the good time of your life. I'm going to be 88 come October, so wow! I figure I've got 10 or 12 years more to go, and I'm <laughs> going to work hard at it.
0: Good for you! That's a great attitude. I love it. Uh, I think you're counting up to 100. If, if I do my math correct.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I, 100. Well, it's easier that way. You know, it's easier <laughs> to divide by 100. That's right. You know, if you if you live to 100, that's 36,500 days plus 25 uh, leap years, so that's easy you know just check, check check them off the calendar that's
0: right that's great how how is uh, your community the community of people that surround you how how are they reacting to what you're doing
1: oh they' many of them are amazed but most of them are just encouraging uh, we've got there's a there's a small support group very active with people and um, scheduling events that we can go to and I think meeting other people and talking to people who you look around the room, everybody has Parkinson's. Okay. We don't even talk about, quote, Parkinson's per se. It's, you know, one, one fellow plays, he's 71 years old, still plays in the softball team that won a national championship last year. Wow. That's for great. old old guy softball. And that's a terrific attitude. Yeah, that's and, great. Uh, and I, I said, you don't need anybody, uh, you know, to come out and, be fodder for whatever, because I don't know if I could stand up to swing a bat. I I, I shouldn't say that. I'm sure I could swing a bat. Um, And I can throw a ball, and I can throw and catch. That's okay. Um, And other people are doing the same thing. One lady with Parkinson's is a uh, driver for one of the companies that picks people up and drops them off, so we don't have any commercial mix-ups here. (laughs) So people, you know, everybody does Everybody tries to stay active. Well, not everybody, but so many people. And, of course, you gravitate to those folks who are active. And they, you know, same with me.
0: Hey, Bill, I, I believe people with Parkinson's are probably more prepared to handle the pandemic than most because our disease is so unpredictable. We're, we're already living hour to hour, day by day, not knowing what symptoms may flare up. Uh, we're used to that life being uncertain.
1: What, what you just said is absolutely correct to have. We have been, we have been in, in effect, we have our own pasture with a fence around it that we have to play in, so to speak. And other people are so stunned that they, you know, they can't resist going out the front door and meeting people and going here and going there. And I think, yes, we are probably better prepared. Uh, as you know, the, the virus started here in Kirkland, Washington, which from where I'm sitting right now talking to you, is out the front door down the hill and turn left and the first stoplight. I'm already there. Wow. Less than, less than two miles from here. It was knocking on your so door. Everybody was. Yeah. And everybody was quite concerned. Oh my, you know, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Well, you know, keep, keep doing what you're doing. And we, we, I, I walked the streets of the neighborhood as do a lot of people now. And the intriguing thing is now, of course we all have to cross the street. We can't, stop and talk to each other. We have, have that 10 or 12 feet or whatever it is between us, which is fine. But uh, I, I think the Parkinson's forces you to consider a little bit more in advance what you might want to get done if you're going to go out and about. And, uh, you know, I don't go into grocery stores or any of those kinds of things as far as the pandemic is concerned. But then, because I don't drive, I didn't do that very much before. Right. I still want to go to baseball games and football games, but you know until, uh, or basketball games. But until this pandemic thing is over, I you know I can't even can't even think about any, right. any of that kind of stuff.
0: Um, I, I'm guessing you might have a unique perspective on what's happening. Born in the middle of America's Great Depression. are there lessons maybe about human spirit, entrepreneurialism, or the importance of community? Which can apply from that era to what we're going through today?
1: Oh, absolutely. I, uh, I was born in 1932. <laughs> and uh, what I remember, and, and you probably remember the same things as we went through the Depression, and we were, we were young kids. And by the time uh, Pearl Harbor happened in 1941, we were old enough to start appreciating rationing and, you know, the. Uh, racing coupons and no gas and no sugar and no food and meat and all those different kinds of things. And I think that put some, some solid, solid uh, foundation under all of us. And, uh, and I think that's why so many people from the thirties were very successful in life later on. Uh, we, we were taught some pretty severe lessons because of the depression, parents losing jobs, People losing houses—it was just amazing. But uh, we survived, and uh, and I think it from my from my own personal point of view, I can remember my father was always very positive, telling us we can do what we want, we can accomplish a lot in America. This is where we live. This is what we can do. Uh, you know, always take advantage of opportunities. And he used to say, you know, we we might not have very much food, but you know, he would figure out a way to make sure we had food so everyone can have a meal, and his only tenet was, if you put it on your plate, you better eat it. I don't want to see any food wasted. <laughs> and that was, that was a good one. That,
0: I, re- I remember that, that line, too. That.
1: <laughs> sure, that came from that era. I was right. going to say, you, you heard the same thing. Maybe slightly different words, but the message was the same. That's right. I think, I think it all stemmed from that, and then, of course, during World War II, everybody was so patriotic, we wanted to beat the bad guys. And uh, I had a lot of my father was one of eleven children, so I had a lot of cousins, many of them served in the Army and Navy and Marines. And uh, they were just a little bit older than I was since my father was the youngest in, the, in his family. But uh, yeah, i'm I'm a strong believer that that silent generation, that nineteen twenty five to forty five born in that depression era, if it wasn't trial by fire, and I don't know what what else could be, but we survived, and uh, countless, countless people have gone on to make, to enormous success who were born and raised in that era. Yeah. We
0: we all experience things in life which prepare us to deal with future events in unique ways. Uh, are there any lessons that you learned through the founding of ESPN that you've been able to apply to dealing with Parkinson's?
1: Hmm. That's a good question. I hadn't... Well, I guess one, you know, I had uh, the announcement that you have Parkinson's. That was from the neurologist. And the announcement that I didn't have a job was was kind of jarring. That was probably more jarring than the Parkinson's announcement, now that (laughs) I look back on it. Tell us about that. Memorial Day weekend, 1978, working for the um, New England Whalers and Howard Baldwin and Colleen Howe decided that I was no longer indispensable. I was dispensable and... She called me on her way. Colleen Howe called as she was headed to the airport. And she said, I really wanted to, uh, she got all excited and flustered about, you know, I didn't want to do it this way, but uh, I, I had been uh, the executive director of the Howe Enterprises. They, they were a business family, top to bottom. And she said, we don't want you back in the this Howard. to have to catch a plane to buy. So that, that, was, that was pretty jarring. And uh, that's not exactly the way that the HR folks would handle a dismissal today. I think. But, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's interesting. You got fired, but you didn't. Uh, you didn't let it get you down. You uh, you just sort of brushed it off and uh, said, "I'll start no. my own business."
1: Yep, you just have to keep going. Yeah, you got to keep moving. Well, I had I, yeah, I had three kids in junior high school and college, I, so I had one in each at each level. And when we went through that, they were all concerned, but I said. Had to display confidence to them that we are going to make it. That this is fine. We'll get through this, and we did. And they all turned out just fine. And now I'm, I'm waiting. Uh, we got, I've got seven grandchildren, and they're starting to get married. So I'm. If I keep getting heading toward a hundred, I'm going to have have some great grandchildren before long. That's right. And uh, you know, and I have to stay healthy for them. I can't let Parkinson's get me down with them. That's. Uh, that's a no-no. I've got to be positive.
0: I love that. Uh, you know, we're we're living in this sportsless world through a global pandemic with Parkinson's. What brings you hope?
1: Waking up every day. You know, we're no matter who we are or how old or how young we are, we're all granted the same amount of time to go to sleep. And if we go to sleep and we wake up, you know, it all comes out even at the end. And I wake up every day and I I start off very positively. Uh, every single day. Uh, I don't leave my office messy. I don't leave the bed unmade. I just get up and start the day. And, and I usually plan ahead. I've got one or two things that I'm going to get done. I was looking forward to this conversation this morning. <laughs> and uh, it's, pretty, it's a pretty exciting world we live in if you give yourself a chance. And uh, look for things to do. Look for positive things to do. And I think one of the great things that we can all do is is help each other get through these things like Parkinson's and the pandemic and everything else. And it may only be a a word or an action or something. Uh, And somebody says, you know, you made my day better. Well, that's great. Do I get tired and so on some days? And do I have a bad Parkinson's? Of course. But I I always know there's a better one coming. And that keeps me going. And hopefully it will keep others going as well.
0: I think you you uh, you make a lot of people's days. I know I, I'm really uh, my day is off to a great start because we're having this conversation.
1: Well, thank you. I I feel the same way. I'm I can find lots of things to to make life make me smile and and make me feel better and and hopefully be able to do things to encourage students in college or business school or whatever or corporate groups when we speak. Um, The ESPN story opens a lot of doors for that, to be able to talk to people. And I think me talking to other people helps me as well. You know, I feed off their energy and enthusiasm, and when people ask questions about one thing or another, and and we can have a, a good conversation like we're having now, and we each feel better as we walk away, and we can do something maybe to help another person. It's really
0: interesting when you share your story, um, how it really um, it comes back at you. It uh, you, you you end up uh, learning more about uh, yourself and feeling more positive and more uh, energized, and, and uh, so so it, it feeds sort of your your health uh, and your happiness. Um, yeah, it's it's really it's really neat to see how that works.
1: Well, I I think, you know, and the researchers uh, who are brilliant people, and I don't mean to be negative in any way to them, but it's like I said earlier, they're kind of like the the official scorekeeper up in the booth. They're they're looking at across a wide range of folks age-wise, how serious their um, Parkinson's may be, and trying to identify patterns so that they can get to a solution to get to a a way to cure it eventually we hope uh, but we're the players on the field larry we're walking through it every day and so they can study my brain but i have to use my brain and they can study your brain but you have to use your brain and to get through each day and those are those are the things that i think if we can convince people when you hear the word parkinson's you don't stop thinking you don't stop living or any of those things you adjust and keep on Keep on keeping on, as they say.
0: Uh, final question for you, Bill. Um, you know, when we live through uh, big moments in life, and I think this pandemic one uh, is probably uh, unique to uh, to all of us, uh, having having a worldwide event that affects every human being. Um, what do you What do you think we're learning from this, or what are you learning from this?
1: I think a lot of people are learning that they can survive and that they can count on themselves. To, uh, to be a little more, I don't know if the word is inventive, to be a little more creative and that there are some serious sides to life, that may, especially the younger people who are charging through school and be in high school or college or graduate school or in their first job and so on. Things have been, I don't want to say things have been easy for all of them across the country, but you know they've been living, we've been experiencing over the last several years Uh, I would say several years as in from the 60s or 70s or 50s or however far you want to go, back you want to go, that um, it isn't all handed to you on a silver platter. You have to really think about things, and maybe this is causing a few of them to come up short in our society and say, wait a second, I've got to kind of reevaluate where I'm going and what I'm doing and how can I help. And I think helping others really helps each individual as well. And if I can do that and help one person, it makes me feel good and it makes them a little bit better, that's, that's great. So I, I hope that more people are learning that. And I think that's, as I walk around and talk to a lot of young couples here, I'm living in a house with my daughter and her husband and, and two, two of my granddaughters. So, you know, there's a, it's a young neighborhood And everybody is still very positive. We're going to get through this, seems to be the major attitude that they have. And they're especially concerned about their young children, their preschoolers, and their first and second graders. They say, we've got to get this solved so they have a good life. So maybe that's, it's not, the pandemic is certainly not a good thing, but maybe it is forcing people to think a little bit differently about their futures and making it better than they perhaps would have had.
0: Great uh, great insights. Thanks, Bill. And thank you for joining us today. I look forward to uh, having you on the Michael J. Fox uh, Patient uh, Council. I think we'll have some good times and we'll make we'll make some noise.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well, Larry. And who knows, between us, we may come up with a couple of really good thoughts here.
0: Yeah, well, I think and we'll string we, a couple of I them together.
1: And I bet we've triggered a few already.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Uh, Bill, thanks so much.
1: You're very welcome. I enjoyed it. Thank you.
0: All right, Rachel, how about that? Bill Rasmussen, what do you think?
2: He is so inspirational. And, you know, I mean, he says he wants to help just one person. He is certainly helping many.
0: No doubt about that. What, what an attitude. 87 years old is just, it's just a firecracker.
2: <laughs> That's for sure. He's not stopping or slowing down.
0: All right. Well, that was uh, quite a podcast, Rachel. Uh, I think we got a future in this podcast business, uh, you and I. Uh, I, (laughs) But Bill's uh, inspired me now to go stretch and take a walk, so I think this one's done for the day.
2: (laughs) I I think I need to go stretch and take a walk too. I can't wait to catch up next time.
0: Rachel Dolan, MD, is vice president of the uh, medical communications for the Michael J. Fox Foundation and a board-certified movement disorder specialist neurologist. And I'm Larry Gifford. You can. Connect with me on social media at Parkinson's Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Email us at info at michaeljfox.org.
2: Thank you so much for joining us. Be sure to check out the michaeljfox.org website for more information on how to live a better life with Parkinson's. You can click on Understanding Parkinson's and look down the middle column labeled The Parkinson's Journey.
0: Stay safe, keep positive, keep moving, and we'll get through this together.
2: you enjoy this podcast share it with a friend
0: or leave a review on itunes it helps listeners like you find and support our mission learn more about the michael j fox foundation at michaeljfox.org thanks for listening this is michael j fox thanks for listening to this podcast learn more about the michael j fox foundation's work and how you can help speed a cure at michaeljfox.org